How long did it take you to get back from Norwich? Four hours, 12 minutes. <laughs> Were you driving? Yes, all of the driving. Was it cruise, cruise control? Uh, no, 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 not at all. No, did all the gear changes myself. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. The only time that I've come back from Norwich mm-hmm. is uh, with you, Andy, after mm. the famous Delia Smith. Oh, night. the abseiling soldiers as no, well. That was that. Oh, night, was the abseiling soldiers as well? Yeah. Delia Smith. The let's be having you. Let's be having you. Yes. Were you there? We, we were there for that match. We were slightly confused, weren't we, about what mm. was going on? It's like, yeah. does she think it's the beginning of the match and she is <laughs> rallying the troops? Does she think it's the end of the match and she's sending mm. everybody on away? Because I think the teams were genuinely halfway onto the pitch. Yes, while they she was were. Doing this. Yeah. You know, they've not made any efforts since then to make the journey to Norwich any easier or quicker. Oh yeah, yeah. and on the way back, it was the the road, the, the main road, route yes. out yeah. of, of yeah. Norwich was closed. Yeah. So there was no, there was essentially just no getting trapped home. there. Your TV trucker has gone yeah. into. It's basically sex now, isn't it? That's what it is. is it? Yeah, it's basically just Nigella and all that. Yeah, and, and Paul Ooh. Hollywood. So, what food equates to sex in your mind? Cooking of it or the food? So a nice flowery bat. Does that really? That's very 1970s. Yeah, come on, this isn't a carry-on. No, it isn't. Jesus, flowery bats have come back in. Literally. I prefer an oven bottom. Always buy oven bottoms. Oh, do you now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're bigger. Bread cake. They're bread cakes. Oh, they're lovely. Welcome to the latest episode of Set Piece Menu, the podcast with four friends talking about football over food. Thanks to everyone who has spent half an hour or so of their lives with us already. Please do share uh, with literally every person that you know. Andy isn't on social media, so the most famous one of us is completely useless on the marketing front. Uh, he's told his two dogs. Uh, that's about mm. it. Uh, mm. Let me, Hugh Ferris, the presenter, introduce you to the pundit, the writer and the commentator. The pundit is indeed Andy Hinchcliffe, a man who won seven caps playing for England in games considered not important enough for Stuart Pearce and Graham Lasseau. The writer is Rory Smith, prestigiously and prodigiously of the New York Times. The commentator is Steve Wyeth of BT Sport and BBC Sport. And today the provider of our sensational lunch, which we are cleaning from our teeth right now, over which we will debate one footballing issue and after a series of tangents and meanderings, come to no conclusion whatsoever. Uh, thank you, Steve. The food uh, mm, is really nice. uh, excellent. Look. We are not the prawn sandwich brigade today. We are the smoked salmon bagel brigade. Roy Keane would be so proud. I wasn't. Oh, no, you don't have any smokes. No, I don't like it. It's horrible. I I put the menu out there a couple of days ago. You'd have thought that was the opportunity for Chinch to say... I thought it was a joke. I actually liked it. I did think it was a joke. Well, you didn't didn't think I was capable of producing... That's exactly what I thought. Why don't you like smoked salmon? It's horrible. In what way? Every way. The texture, the taste. It's appalling stuff. You're you're quite a fussy eater, though, aren't you? I'm not a big fan of slurry. I wouldn't wouldn't eat that. No, fine. I mean, that's that's a relief. My (laughs) least favourite food, mashed potato... You're, you're madman. No, see, this is what people say, but... but this is how, you have this an is, irrational fear of mashed potato. Yeah, Hugh knows it you're well. You're scared of mashed potato. I, I find it quite hard to be in the same room as mashed potato. What happens if I were to put you in a room with a big pot of mashed potato? What would you I'd, do? I'd probably retch, to be honest. Why? I just can't stand is it. Is something in your childhood? Seeing, you people, the, seeing people eat mashed potato yeah. genuinely repulses me. I've had to ban oh. it. I'm, I'm not a, a, an, author, you know, an authoritative husband at all, but yeah. I've, I've had to sort of say to Kate that... It's not allowed in the house. So when you come out of the prenup, there is no prenup. It wasn't worth having a prenup. <laughs> so over mashed potato. Not over mashed potato. So when you come to Chinch Fork and I do the cooking, Chinch Fork. Chinch Fork. That's what I call it. Yeah, we'll eat. We'll eat in the West Wing. And so sausage and mash. What no. was if I, you just couldn't? We went to a wedding. At Kate's best mate. Um, two years ago, and the the food they were having was sausage and mash. And I specifically said, Kate was a bridesmaid, I specifically said, I will not eat that. So you'd had 100 people eating sausage and mash, and I got sausage and for chips. A, for the wedding breakfast, you had sausage and mash? Yeah, like fancy sausage and mash. Classic. Is there such a thing? Yeah, like, with, like sausages with stuff in it. Yeah. Sausage meat? Like, no, but you know, 
like leek, like pork and leek. Wow, mind blowing. On this edition of Set Piece Menu, the issue we will discuss criticism. Do we have the right to have a go? Do pundits overstep the line? Are journalists qualified to criticise? Are fans? There's one pundit, three journalists, and three fans here, so should we just say yes and pack up and go home? Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? All, all sorted? Or, or have we got slurry I, for, for pudding? I don't want to find something that Chimps likes. Are I you don't... saying I'm not a fan? Is that what you're trying yes. to... You don't, you don't subscribe to being a fan? At, I'm, any, I'm a fan of the game. Way. A fan of the game, but yeah. not the team. Yeah. Well, there you go. I'm right then. Leak You're Town. certainly not a journalist. I'm a big fan of Leak Town. You <laughs> oh, don't, okay. don't ask me, do you? You did used to regularly go and watch Macclesfield at Moss Rose yes. with the kids, When Eric you? Nixon was the goalkeeper coach there, yes. What Andy is doing now is making yes. signs, which you'll understand what as being goalkeeper signs as he does jazz hands. What was amazing, he was warming up the Macclesfield Town goalkeepers whilst eating a bacon sandwich. That's amazing. Now, that is, <laughs> that takes, that, how much coaching do you have to go through to be able to do that? That's, that's proper like UEFA for a license. It is. That, yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think Pep went through that as well. Apparently that's the bit he found toughest. Um, we uh, are having this conversation um, in the context of something of a spat that is developed. Rory, perhaps you could explain to everyone about what has been going on between Loris Carius and the Nevilles. It sounds like a, a 1970s sitcom. Yeah, no, or Loris Carius and the Nevilles would probably be like a, like a trendy 60s beat combo. Um, this is Loris Carius and the Nevilles. <laughs> Uh, with their hit, Take Me Back Baby. Um, <laughs> with, with their hit, Shut Up and Stop Your Talk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Shut mm. Up and Do Your Job. Oh, um, the Neville's in the background, though, because the posters wouldn't sell, would they? But carry on, Rory. <laughs> so basically, Loris Carrius messes up against Bournemouth for Liverpool. Uh, the Neville's... Loris, Loris Carrius then gives an interview in which he criticises Gary Neville for having a pop at him for his performance. Uh, the Neville's, I think, believe it was Phil, came back and said that in his position, player underperforming, you need to shut up and do your job. Jurgen Klopp, Carries' manager, then leaps to the defence of his player by saying that Gary Neville not only cannot judge players that are charged made by Carries as well because of his failed time at Valencia, uh, but by also alleging that the Nevilles have got it in for Liverpool FC because they are connected to other football clubs who are not affectionate towards Liverpool FC. So let us delve into the mind of a pundit. And um, uh, there's one on the line now, which we can... <laughs> so, do you ever check yourself or do you always say what you want, regardless no. of who might be offended? Well, the difference with that, I was never a coach. I had no intention of being a coach or a manager. I think with Gary Neville and certain other people, they see themselves slightly differently. They maybe see the game slightly differently. And I always try to, before I say something, I always try and think, well, how does that sound to me? I'm not a coach. I'm not a manager. So I don't feel I could go as far as maybe other people would go. I try to say what I feel and what, what I believe is, to, is, is right. But certain pundits maybe want to be more controversial, so they'll say something they might not be able to back up. And I'm always very conscious if I do say something, I make sure I've got a reason why I say these things. So, and I do hope that I'm fairly balanced as well. I do see a lot of good in, in what players do, and also try and be critical if they make mistakes, because you have to do that. That's what we're there for. But I wouldn't set out to say, well, I want people to really hear what I'm saying, so I'll say something I won't believe, or say something too strongly, just to get a reaction. Have Steve? you had much negative feedback from players and managers about your views? No, it's been completely the opposite. Uh, even though I've been fairly critical, say, about defenders' position or goalkeeping mistakes, hopefully the way that I say it, they understand that I'm not having a go at them because it's anything to do with them personally. It's just about the game, and that's what I'm there for. And I think a lot of them, hopefully, the respect for me has grown by actually mm. st- not trying to hide away and say, actually, no, there's nothing in that. When there is, I'll say it, but I'll hopefully say it in a way that's that if I had made that mistake, I'd, I'd be treated in the same way. That's how I try to do it. So it's the way, maybe, at times you actually kind of put your criticism together and how you put it across. Steve, you you spend a lot of time with pundits working for BT Sport. You have a whole phalanx of them. Um, do you find that some attempt to be controversial, some attempt to not be controversial as they discuss a game with you? I think a majority of co-commentators 
that's my involvement with pundits. Generally, try and take the, the Andy Hinchcliffe route of, of giving as you it an is analysis. Known. Yes, as it is known encyclopedically. Is Copyright. <laughs> giving you some analysis, talking about positioning, mm-hmm. where a mistake might have been made, how that mistake could have been rectified. During the context of a football match, it's quite unusual to be sat next to a pundit. There are pundits during the context of a football match who would look to express quite an extreme position. I don't think that happens during, you know, with that relationship of a commentator and a co-commentator mm-hmm. because you are painting the picture, you are describing the game. There isn't much room, is there, Andy, mm-hmm. no, in that no, sort true. of situation to start lambasting a player. The opportunity to do that comes in the analysis, whether that's at half-time, after the game, or in the build-up to the next game. Mm-hmm. And that obviously is, is where those opinions come into their own because... The captive audience for live football is whilst the game is ongoing. To sell the product away from that, you need those extreme opinions. Mm-hmm. You need that, that studio debate to be fueled so that people will keep watching at yeah. halftime. They won't go and put the kettle on. So I, I think mm. probably that is the environment in which those, those opinions come out. Do you also think it depends on who's saying it as well? And certain people in, in certain elevated positions will feel they can get away with a bit more. Maybe they've achieved a bit more in their careers. I certainly wouldn't say what... 10 other pundits would say. So players being suddenly kind of getting their heckles up because something's been said against them. Do you think it's actually the person that's saying that's more than the actual content of what they're saying? I don't know. I'm, I'm really re- reluctant to, to criticise. It's difficult. So I think co-commentating is the hardest job in the football media. It's definitely not mine. Yeah. It's, um, I would say commentating is the hardest job. <laughs> right, yeah, I would yeah, say yeah. anchoring, presenting. <laughs> certain people, Steve, make the, the job look very easy, don't we? Yeah, certain yeah. commentators. Yeah, we do, but, don't we? It, but equally, a lot of crowd commentators make it look really, really hard, oh, don't they? Yes. <laughs> Damn. One, one, Damn. one no, day we'll get the names from Andy. <laughs> it's, um, commentating, does try, commentating is really is, is difficult. Journal, written journalists have a little bit of privilege, I guess, that we get a bit more, not much time, and you're often filing on the whistle, and that's it's still in itself, but written journalists do get a bit of time to think about stuff. So I think that for whenever co-commentators get kind of criticised by, by the general public for something they've said, you sort of think, well, like you're reacting immediately to something that you maybe you maybe haven't seen even in a, in a replay, you're, it's and you're really far away, and it's it is a really it's a really difficult job. I think half-time analysis and full-time analysis is really tough as well because you, I've done that once or twice, and you don't have a lot of time to respond to stuff. You get while the ad break is on, they're in your ear saying, "Right, this is what we're talking about." And that's it. You 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 have to come up with an opinion. It's really hard to come up with a, an informed opinion about football during an Eintracht Braunschweig against Stuttgart or something <laughs> from like with like thirty seconds warning. So it's all really difficult. But I'm really reluctant to criticise anybody. For, the, for, having, for, for being critical, because this is part of the environment that we live in. And I think Klopp saying, both Klopp and Carrier saying that, the Neville's, that Gary Neville didn't have a right to say anything because he didn't work out as a manager at Valencia is A, inaccurate, but B, a really dangerous road to go down because then who does have the right? Does Andy have the right? Mm. Does he only play seven times for England against Moldova? And he Saudi only has Arabia? a right to comment on Not people who have played fewer times. <laughs> no, teams of that equivalent yeah. level. Mm. Uh, do, do, do I have a right? Does I've never played professional football? And that a lot of a lot of fans would say, "Well, no, you don't, because you're not. I'm not qualified to comment on but, football. But then, I don't have a but qualification then no, in nobody football. has yes, at exactly. any point, and you've got exactly. no discussion about the game. But the but the point is, is that where does it go into from comment go into criticism, and when does it become personal? Because the suggestion yeah, exactly. is yeah. that it is a a personal mm. view of the Nevilles about Loris Carrius that is tinged by their Manchester United. Yeah, which United is what leaning. Klopp said, and I think I, I've got to admit I like Jurgen Klopp a lot, but I think that is I'm 99 percent certain that's wrong. And I also think it's a bit of a low blow to bring it up, mm. to be perfectly honest. 
Do you think, Andy, that they have reacted in a way that you perhaps wouldn't have done if you were the player being well, criticised? Because is... obviously there would have been a, a huge amount of criticism as you of you as a, as a player. And so how did you deal with that? And did you did you use the media just, to have a go back? I, no, I did absolutely. I, it wasn't there really to do that. I didn't do a lot of media work anyway. So really, I just I didn't read any papers. I didn't listen to the to the radio. I just got on with my job and listened to what the manager or other players were saying about the job that we were doing, or the job that we had to do. So I just concentrated and were blinkered in, in doing what. I thought was right it's all changed of course now but it's amazing I still find now players are so sensitive I certainly was if somebody said you'd had a bad game it did automatically get on your nerves so players have always been very sensitive about what people say about them. They, they tend to take on the really good stuff oh it's a great goal or a great save they love all that but as soon as you say well actually what about your positioning for this it wasn't quite you can see very quickly they they, they really, really don't like it. That, to me, hasn't changed over the years. So players are still reacting in the same way. But having the ability to go out and actually say, I'm not happy with what someone said about me, is, is the difference. There's not many players, current players, that would actually step forward, or the clubs would allow them to step forward and, and have their say. Well, yeah, it was, and it was brave of Carrius to do that. He, this all starts with him making a mistake. So he still had the nerve. I don't know whether it was a club-sanctioned interview or whether it was through his agent. It would be either, my guess is, the club knew it was happening. Um, he could easily have cancelled that interview and said, look, I had a bad game at the weekend, I'd rather do it when, when I'm playing well. That happens all of the time. So credit to Carriers for a start, for fronting up and being w- and willing to talk about it. You speak to anybody about Carriers, they say that he's a really confident, he's a really confident bloke. He doesn't, he's not lacking in self-belief. And that comes through. That's commendable, creditable, great work, Loris Carriers. But does it then make it worse if you then... I, I think the, the problem is that he then took... He named Neville. If, you, if he'd said... I'm not phased by the criticism. Mm. This, this doesn't happen. He names Neville. He brings up his record as Valencia manager. He's basically saying, you don't have a right to criticise me. And I, I, to me, not as a journalist, but as a fan, that's, that then opens up this rabbit hole where who is allowed to criticise anything? Because ultimately, are fans allowed to criticise? Well, Loris Carius could have just pointed towards the example of David De Gea, who had an absolute nightmare, didn't he, when he first arrived in, in English football? But like Carius, had represented his country all throughout the youth level of football, clearly had great potential, clearly is, is going to be a good goalkeeper. Carius, I mean, German goalkeepers, generally, they, they have a, a real strength in depth in that position. The fact that he's represented his, his country all the way through from under 16s, up to under 21s, he clearly knows what he's doing in goal. He could have pointed to the, the David De Gea situation, said, look, you know, people now argue, you know, who's more agile, who's got better reactions, David De Gea or Superman? Yeah. He could have just said, look, <laughs> you know, give me time, let me settle into the game. You know, David De Gea went away, worked on his game, mm-hmm. came back, and now he's one of the best goalkeepers in the world. But of course, we deal in sensationalism now, yeah. don't we? That is what sells football. That's why those strong opinions generate social media interaction. They generate great sound bites for broadcasters to put out on Twitter, on Facebook or, or wherever, saying, you know, so-and-so slams player, why, what do you think? Mm. You know, it, it's all part of the circus that comes with football. Premier League footballers earn an awful lot of money. A majority of that money comes from, from television. Mm-hmm. So therefore, television need to drive revenue for their coverage. And it, it's, just, it's just a complete circus. Mm. You know, it, that, that completes the circle. Loris Carius needs to accept that. And yeah, people are going to be entitled to their opinions. Mm. Is there a question though of qualification so for example Chinch if you were criticised by a coach whether it was a current coach or a previous coach that you had respect for mm-hmm. you would listen to it and you would act on it but if that coach you didn't respect or there was somebody within the game who you didn't listen to you wouldn't necessarily process it in the same way so it is 
in essence, a matter of qualification. It, it never really crossed my mind, the criticism that I didn't consciously sit down and say who is saying, because it wasn't as prevalent back then. Maybe it was, it was done maybe more privately, it wasn't done as openly in, in the media and the social media we have now. So I, I can't constantly remember anyone who I thought, I'm going to remember you for saying that about me. It just wasn't, the way. again, I just got on with what I was doing. But now with the players being so involved in everything that's going on, wanting to, to play the game and be involved with social media and with the, with, with the written, everything going on, these things are going to happen. You're going to hear a lot of negative stories about yourself because there's so much being said about it. It's well, how you deal with it. Everyone's got the right to say it. Of course they have. And it's, that's, why I, that's why I started this off by saying I qualify. I look at m myself in the scheme of things about these people that are out there, former managers, former very successful players, whether you've gone into management it's worked or not, to me is, Im is immaterial. If you've played the game to the level that hopefully a lot of the pundits have, of course you, have more, you should have more understanding of what you're seeing in front of you. So you should be able to notice the good and bad and be able to explain why it's good and bad. And everyone's got the right to do that. Of course they have. But it's just that response from managers and players. That's what I find really interesting because normally you just get a brick wall and they say, mm. you can say what you want. We're getting on with the job of, of playing the game. But that, that sort of comes back to the fact that football has changed and mm. players need to accept that. With all due respect, nobody was spending 15 minutes of an hour-long you know, review program analysing your positioning no, for, from a corner kick or yeah, whether yeah, you yeah. should have been yeah, playing yeah, the offside yeah. trap. Well, then you'd just be saying, oh, so-and-so scored the goal, 1-0. Yeah, yeah. No one was saying, well, what about, what yeah, about yeah. Hinchcliffe yeah, though? Should yeah, he have yeah. been, was he quite in line with it's his true. back? So that is the way the game has changed. He wasn't, I can assure he you. Wasn't. He wasn't. I think I'd stepped up at just the right time. <laughs> you were taking the corner anyway, so it didn't really matter. Apart no, from the Merseyside derby when Ronnie Rosenthal was played on side at the cop end and scored and won the game. Yes, hang your head and change. James was genuinely sad at that. Thanks, Steve. That's a real, that, yeah, yeah, thank you for saying I that. I wasn't giving you the opportunity to analyse your own performance. You see what I'm doing now? I am. Games. That's, that's the way I roll, you, you see. He's very self-conscious. He is very self-conscious. I think Steve's absolutely right. That it's, it's not just the detail that we go into, and that, that in itself is actually quite a good sign of kind of where the football media's got to, the football media, TV, radio, in terms of its sophistication. It is a lot better. Like, I grew up watching... Oh, he'd be pleased with that. He'd be he'd be disappointed with that. And now you get wonderful podcasts from people sitting around houses in South Manchester talking about football. And <laughs> like, what can you what, what are you complaining about? But it's the it's the amount of it as well. And Steve's quite right that you've got to you always have to remember that market function that papers are trying trying to shift units and and get clicks and get hits and get the money from advertisers. And TV channels are trying to sell subscriptions. And radio radio stations are trying to make people listen to them and not the others. It's it's all a market. Football exists in that market, and that means that you. You do get this sort of this tendency to overhype, actually relatively insignificant, rel relatively minor criticism. So Gary Neville's mm. criticism of Loris Carriers was that Carriers didn't have a good game and he got made a couple of things wrong. I've never been a professional goalkeeper, but watching Liverpool play West Ham, that first goal, the free kick, Carriers got that wrong. Now that's not with any. I don't hate Loris Carriers. I don't mm. think he should retire and give up. Or do you think he's he's stormed as he made? But he made a mistake, mm. and that is that is football and. We all have the right to, to criticise players because ultimately at root, apart from Andy, we are all fans. And all fans criticise players. Nobody is more critical of players than fans. I think what, what is dangerous is A, when you get pundits telling players not to speak, I think that's bad. I think that's something we should all be very conscious of. That's not desirable. Because because there's a demand. We people demand yeah. to yeah. hear from. So and we, we don't, don't get enough. Of when we don't, don't get well, enough. Of well, it, yeah. and, and this is the thing that we manage. It always annoys me when managers are sort of like, I don't talk to the media and fans go, yeah, it's great, isn't he? Isn't he? Isn't he terrible with the media? Oh, he hates the media. It's brilliant. What on earth do you think the media is there for? Is there to get the words of the manager and the players to you? That's yeah. why the football media exists. It's not like I don't. I've never gone to a press conference out of choice. I don't want to go. <laughs> 
They're, they're really boring. I occasionally go to Man City for a free feed, but <laughs> the that it's all there to convey information to the fans. If people knew how long you had to sit around waiting for football managers to turn up, yeah. they would realise you're not there through choice. You're not. It's not. You're not there just think it's, it's brilliant like, banter. Oh, good, good. I can go and spend two hours yeah. at a Premier League clubs um, media centre. Well, you do in, know in the hope that somebody will actually come and speak. You to do you. know what they're going to say pretty much as yeah. well because they're so guarded about actually saying. Oh, did you see the penalty? No, I didn't see that. It was too far. And, and then when the occasion is when people do say something, we say brilliant. We want more of that. So with Harry's coming out, yeah, exactly, coming out and saying something. Now they're telling him to be quiet, which yeah, I don't think is... Work. That can't be the way. But equally, you can't have managers or players saying you don't have the right to criticise. Because, as I say, the, 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 at the root of that is nobody who is within this club or kind of within the profession or specifically linked to us is fair to judge. It's, it's what, what that's doing to me is manipulating the natural partisanship of the fans to stifle any fair criticism, and that's not right. You have linked journalism and fans, saying that a lot, a lot of journalists are, are fans and they are the general public in a sort of way, and therefore... Kind of how it's meant to work, yeah. Yes, that they are allowed to, to criticise. But funnily enough, what happens quite a lot is that fans criticise journalists for criticising their team. So there is, there's a diversion point there. Yeah. So say to those fans about the journalist's right to sit there and to think about what was right and what was wrong and to then criticise, because there must be a reason why we have this structure in place. Well, because we, well, I suppose we don't have any more right than anybody else. There's no divine right to criticise as a journalist. You don't have any qualification beyond the fact you've watched a lot of football. And we are, for all the press conferences are boring, very, very lucky to do the work that we do. That shadow of a doubt, very grateful that I am allowed to think about something I love so much for a living. Your wife? <laughs> yes, I have to think about Kate for a living. And, uh, the, is it a well-paid occupation? That, that is not. No. <laughs> if anything, that seems to cost me. Um, the, um, no, but the, so there's no, there's, no, there's no right except that you watch a lot of football, mm. you speak to people within football. That's the other thing that gets lost is that a lot of people look at like really re- the, the top journalists criticising and say, what does he know he's never played the game? To which my initial reaction is always, well, what do you know? You've never written a match report. And until you've done it, if, if that's the logic, until you've, I don't know to my plumber and say, you should be doing this because I've never fixed the pipe. John wouldn't have a clue. But I've had a go. It is better to get someone. Yeah, exactly. Just pay someone who can do it properly. <laughs> don't mess it up. But no, I, I, I think that what's forgotten is that journalists work with information. And the good journalists, anyway, will base their criticism on what they are or their opinions on what they're being told by people within the game. Or evidence from a football match that is yeah, or either on television or one you've, you've in, seen yourself. Information that you can get from that game or whatever. That mm. it's, not, it's not just kind of, oh, I don't like him, he's rubbish. That doesn't happen. No. That's, we, we have a, if that ever did exist, we've evolved beyond it. I hope we have anyway. What fans say is that fans pay their money so they get the opportunity to criticise as much as they want. It's their team. They are Fair invested enough, yeah. emotionally and financially in them and that journalists are not... Um, they are getting paid to be there. So what right do they have to pontificate uh, about their favourite players and their team? And, and you will always hear fans talk about that there is a media campaign against their team. So everybody clearly feels the same thing, mm-hmm. albeit but with it has different to, it has to all boil down to the content of what is being said. You can't prejudge it and say because he's saying it. Yeah. I, I don't like him, so whatever he says I'm going to disagree with. Or he's having a go at something that's happening in my club, therefore it's wrong. Or it's people, whether you've played the game or not, whether it be fans, whether it be current players, former players, anybody, journalists. If you, if this, the content is good. 
that's what you have to go to and say, well, I'm going to make a decision on what you are saying and whether I believe it to be right or wrong. You can't prejudge it. But a lot of fans, I presume, make their minds up about newspapers or journalists or players very quickly and say, well, he's rubbish. Well, that's what Klopp's playing to, isn't it? He's yes. saying, he's, he said, and again, I say this is someone who likes Jurgen Klopp, but he, well, he's, he's decided, I can say that the Neville brothers are linked to Manchester and Everton, mm. so they don't like Liverpool. And he's playing the classic distracting game yeah. that we've seen from, you know, Sir Alex did yeah. it all the time, yeah. Jose. Would, would he have got as involved as this, you think, Sir Alex, in his time? If There must have been criticism, yes. of course, yeah. of what he... Yeah, yeah. Would, would he have played this game as yeah, well? He, more than anybody else. Okay. Yeah. He, okay. I mean, he, Ferdy, to an extent, wrote the rule book on it. Okay. On Anything he, to deflect away from the actual issue that was involving one of his players. Yes. One, the thing that frustrates me the most, and I'm really wary of, it's the kind of the first rule of football journalism is never criticise the fans, and it's not... It's certainly not true of all fans, but one of the things that annoys me the most is when people get an idea of who you support as a journalist. Every time you express an opinion on another club, especially if it's a club that is anti- an- an- antipathetical to, uh, if that's not a word, um, to that, to that, to that's, your team, your perceived well, team, it will be next year when they have the next dictionary. Word of the year, uh, post fact and antipathetical. Uh, they they say, well, you would say that because you're a such and such supporter, and it's really hard to explain to people, although it's completely true. The, the longer you work in football or around football, the more it's, it, you tend, that falls away. Mm. I've got friends at lots of different clubs who, as a kid, I didn't like. But now, because I've got friends there, I, want, I, mean, I don't necessarily support the team, but I want my friend to do well. And you have this much more complex web of loyalty. But the other thing is, as Andy says, you're only as good as your opinion. And we, yeah, we don't pay to, to be... I mean, I still pay, pay to go to football when I can, but the, we, don't, we don't pay every week like... Really hardcore yeah, yeah. fans do. Although, having said that, I do do Virgin quite a lot of money. Um, <laughs> the, but, but we are, we are, we don't maybe don't have a right, but we do have a duty because if we don't, then we don't earn a living. So, and you're only as good as your opinion. So you have to make that opinion as good as possible and as valid as possible. That's mm-hmm. what keeps you honest. And mm-hmm. I, I have this argument with fans all the time who say that your opinion is based on your leanings towards any football club, and and I say to them that is. That is the f- the quickest way to losing your job. Yeah. Yeah. We have a professional integrity. It sounds incredibly lofty and pompous, but essentially we want to keep our job. And as you say, our expectations of ourselves are very high. But you mentioned post-fact. Funnily enough, is football reflecting that a little bit or has it been for ages, this post-fact society that we've had and we've talked about in politics all year, that regardless of whether you are making a salient point, because they have already decided mm. on whether you have value or that point is coming from a certain skewed point of view, that actually they're going to ignore it completely. That's been true of football for longer than it's been true of... And, and football, the rest of the Society world feels more like... reflecting football. The rest of the world feels that's more like... That's another set-piece menu. It is, it is. <laughs> it, it, no, and it, 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 does, it does feel like that, that that's, that's kind of where it's, where it's come from, that, that everything is tribalistic and it's... And look, I get it. Like the reason fans don't... The reason fans are, are kind of hostile towards the media in general is because the media will criticise your team. Whatever team you support, the media will criticise. And fans don't, same with you, it's the same thing with your family, that you're allowed to criticise, but nobody else is. And I totally get that, and I'm like that with my team too. But And your family. And my family, <laughs> although I, I welcome uh, both criticism and constructive feedback about my family. Uh, <laughs> but It's that thing where uh, probably fans of about 15 teams in the Premier League believe their, their team is always on match of the day last, for example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, yeah. in fact, yeah. it is only West Brom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if it does, does this 
thinking come into your writing and how you has your writing changed over the years do you, do you, know, do you, you actually do, is it hard to actually yeah. say well I'm going to be if I'm writing this will the fans think this or will it affect how they view me you do you is double, it hard to you, get away from that? you double double think yourself and yeah. it's, when, especially when you're on deadline that's really dangerous because mm. you don't have time to be messing about thinking I can't write that because I'll get in trouble but certainly the exposure through Twitter has and the, the kind of the level of vitriol yeah you do double you check yourself and that's not good but I would guess that's true in commentary. I as well. always, I always boil it down to is what I but don't don't say something because it's going to be controversial or it's different or they want you to say something rather than just trip out a line which you were going to probably say. So I always go back to that. Try and make it interesting. Try and show something somebody something they can't see, but believe in what you're saying because then if somebody says, well, explain yourself, you can. And that's what I always go back to and stick to. Steve and I, in a previous life, we spent a lot of time talking to the same footballers week after week, the same managers week after week. And that's a slightly different skill because you have to remember that if you say something either on air or you ask them a question, um, we've seen in the media recently about the METV commentator Stuart Gardner, who is known by all of us and, and Jose Mourinho, you've got to keep going back. You've got to have the integrity to be able to say, well, I know I said that, but this is why I said that, which goes back mm. to your original point, Andy. As long as I feel like I can back it up with something, either consistency or something that I've seen that I'm able yeah. to explain myself, it, it's important to be able to do that because you are going to see them next week and yeah. you need to be able to go in there and ask them another tough question, mm. knowing that you're, if you do offend them, that you're doing it for the right reason. Yeah, I think we might see, possibly with pundits in the future, I don't know, is, is if you get further and further away from the truth of what you believe and start to think, I've got to say something different, I've got to be different from everybody else out there, that's very dangerous territory for me as well. Of course, you've got the right to say anything, but this is just the way I work. You've got to have that, that essence of truth in everything that you say and believe what you're saying. If you don't, I think you're on... Uh, a bit of rocky ground. Well, Chinch, we started with you, we finished with you, and uh, now we oh have no. an addendum mm. uh, with you as well. Before we leave, we have time for our first and therefore favourite set-piece menu feature. Never mind Jack and Ori, what a soccer story. Contractually obliged to say it like Alan Partridge. Really? Uh, by the way, Sounded yes. good. Absolutely right. This is when Andy tells us a tale from his playing days that has had all adult behaviour and libel-worthy details removed. A lot of these stories, you'll probably notice as we go on with them, don't involve me because I never got involved in those kind of yeah. shenanigans. Well, we'll soon run out. We'll soon run out and have to talk This about is it. another in the classic line of Andy Booth stories. <laughs> It's, a classic, is it a classic line already? Every day so, was so like, early in, oh, the, in the journey. Every day was like going to a fun fair with Andy Booth. <laughs> so anyway, we've got we've got a game in London on the Saturday, Saturday three o'clock. So Friday we're going to be travelling down as you normally train in the morning. So we're all sat in the dressing room after training. So he said, "Where this idea comes, I don't." Andy Booth, how many? Can I mention fast food retailers? Am I yes, allowed you to can. do that? We have no um, we have no Are you all familiar with the KFC Twister? Yes. You've got the... Co- but yes, I'm surprised yes. that the KFC Twister existed during your playing days. <laughs> that's, 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 that's a separate issue. Anyway, so we say to Andy Booth, how many Twisters could you eat? And we'll, if, if you can eat six of them, we'll pay for them. <laughs> so bearing in mind the cost this is a, this of This is a honed a athlete we're talking about here. In 1998 <laughs> yeah. was about £2.40. Yeah, the money... The money no, but Boothy obviously saw a free meal here. So... He says, yes, go on, then I'll take this on. So we, we bring 10 of them. We think, there's no way, no one can eat 10, you'd, you'd die. So he has four, and then the stomach cramps start to set in. <laughs> Bear in mind, we do have a game the following day. So he steams into the twisters. He has four, can't do it. The next month, we travel down to, he's in agony, by the way. We, it's, the food is, I'm sure, is delicious and nutritious, but he's in agony <laughs> because the stomach's not meant to take that kind no. of punishment. So we travel down to London the following morning. Andy Booth doesn't, doesn't come down for the pre-match walk. So we're thinking, 
what, where the, and he was in so much pain that he very nearly missed the match <laughs> because he tried to outdo everyone by eating twisters the, the, the day before. He nearly missed the three o'clock kickoff, but he did. He, he got through it, and pl- I think he might have had to go to the toilet quite heavily <laughs> before kickoff. But he very nearly missed a match because he over KFC. Is that a word? Over KFC definitely is. It is yeah. now. Twenty seventeen. It? It's the word of. But this is the beauty of it. He just there, there was a challenge in front of him. He forgot <laughs> he was a professional footballer. We're playing Tottenham away tomorrow. Where are the twisters? Let me at him. So when you get a team news bulletin before the game, yeah, whether it's that, the day yeah. before, yeah. if what would have been in brackets. If, if he had been ruled Hinchliff, out. Hinchliff, No, 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 I, I'm not taking... <laughs> yes, I can't again. take the blame. Hinchliff, brackets, knee. He's a grown... W- Vim Yont, brackets, not interested. Uh, <laughs> Andy Booth, brackets, KFC. It was, it was beyond indigestion. Will it be over KFC'd? Over K- I don't think you can put that in brackets. Would that be a reason to miss Twi- a game? Twister and Twisted. <laughs> Twisted. <laughs> Just let people assume there was a missing word. <laughs> Um, Andy, thank you very much indeed. And thank you to everyone uh, for listening. Thanks also to Steve and to Rory. We'll have another Nevermind Jack and Rory. What a soccer story on our next set piece menu. Please do subscribe and share. We humbly ask you and others to find room for us in your podcast schedule. Uh, Thank you all. Well done, Steve. Sensational. Um, We will have another set piece menu for you to enjoy very soon indeed. I don't have to do this again. Don't do the smoke sandwich. I I I like coming over to my house. I can tidy up, clean... I liked it when you said that. I liked coffee, when you tea, coffee. Do all the things a father should I, do. I don't, I don't that even type like of it when stuff. my missus and the kids are here, really. So, you know, the fact that I let you lot in is quite frankly above and beyond. Can I have a refill, please? Have yeah. we got enough left? I shall go and put the